Hey guys, thanks for checking us out. On this episode, we sit down with Blake Schultz. He's a local realtor and real estate investor here in the greater Birmingham area. We had a really cool conversation about how he got started with basically no money, flipping houses and investing in rental properties, the current state of the housing market, and some of the craziest things he's seen while buying and selling homes. If you've ever been curious about investing in real estate or where to get started, or if you're just looking for some tips on buying your first home, this is definitely a really cool episode to check out. As always, you can catch episodes of our show on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Heavy Ultra. First time doing a podcast, I guess. First time, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I was actually, it's funny, I was out in Denver this weekend with some college buddies. We had eight or nine guys from, from college and hanging out, and one guy was talking about music when he's driving or something. He's like, what do you listen to? I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? Uh, the, the Bluetooth connection in my car went out like two years ago, and... Katie's is the same way. She's <laughs> always complaining. She's like, I want to Bluetooth my phone, yeah. and I can't do it. It just stopped working. I don't know why. And... I guess I could probably figure it out. But anyways, I haven't done it. And so since then, I just like, I, I catch myself driving in silence. <laughs> I do that all the time, actually. Yeah, it's just like good. I think I drive my coworkers crazy. Yeah. Like, they'll be riding with me. <laughs> it's just silent. And I'm just silent and I'm just in my own head. And it's like, yeah. the, it's like the only time of the day where I can like collect my thoughts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so to me, it's not weird. But then like my coworker will just reach over and like turn the radio <laughs> on. And I'm like, oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah. Like you can't stand riding silence. It's yeah. just awkward for it's me. Fun. Yeah, there's so much, you know, you're organizing, or at least I am organizing, you know, my day or clients or week or whatever it is yeah. in my head. Um, but before that, I, I listened to pretty much uh, just one real estate podcast. That's all I did. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. You learn anything cool from what, what? everything? Uh, bigger pockets. Bigger pockets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everything I learned in, in my investing world, like flipping and all that, came from there. Cool. So. That's cool. I have to yeah. check that out. Bigger pockets. Bigger pockets. All right. And it's it's massive. It's a huge major. Huge. What do you? Is it, I guess it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I mean, literally everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, Blake, thanks for coming to hang out, yeah. man. I appreciate you uh, stopping by. I know you're a busy guy. Excited um, to be here. Uh, real estate's always kind of interested me. You know, uh, just going through our own home buying process. Mm -hmm. But I find myself like. I'll just jump online and like surf through Trulia and stuff and just kind of see what's available. Not a lot, man. It seems like lately uh, yeah. market is, there's not much out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I kind of wanted to pick your brain and kind of see what the current state of the market is. And, and first of all, how you got started selling real estate. Yeah. So we, we can just go back to the beginning, I okay, guess. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I won't go back as far as you time, want. But um, right out of school, I knew I wanted to get... One, you'll see me bounce around. I can't sit still, right? So I knew I couldn't be behind a desk, um, and I have problems following instructions, and so I knew I couldn't work for somebody. <laughs> and so I said, all right, yeah. wh what what industry can I get into out of school that allows me to do those two things or, or doesn't corner me into those two things? Um, I've always had a passion for construction, actually, and so came out and started working for a custom home builder in Trustful, uh, and, and it just was his labor. I mean, I did everything from learning how to install crown molding to doing hardwood floors and masonry work to landscape, you name it, ground up building the house. I was just out there every single day, just swinging a hammer, um, which was frustrating in a sense because I was, you know, I've got a college degree. All my friends are out there, you know, making good money at their first job and I'm out here, you know, what am I doing? But I, mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world now because the, the knowledge and experience I gained hands-on was just 
immeasurable. Yeah. So uh, I did that for about a year in the process. It's a small husband and wife team out of Trustville, just a couple homes a year. And so uh, everything was very small. It was me and one other guy who was kind of a quote employee, and then everything else was just subcontracted out. Sure. And so I got experience on site and in the office. And with that was dealing with realtors to uh, buy and sell lots and, and maybe a spec house or the, the client, their client's agent um, who was helping them build, build that new house. And so I said, why don't I get my real estate license to keep some of these transactions in house and save you all some money? So I did that real quick, um, joined a, just a local brokerage um, before I was at ARC and um, did that for a couple months. But I was still, um, I wasn't full time. I really didn't even know what a realtor was. I just knew, hey. I, I don't think I really know what a realtor yeah, is. Yeah, I still don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I got then, and so, but I was still swinging hammers, still figuring that out. And about that, you know, probably a year after school, a year of doing that, I got introduced to the, the investment world a little bit um, through books and podcasts and just hearing people. Um, and this was 2013, so foreclosures existed, deals still existed where you're not going to find those today. And so um, I was sitting in my office one day at, at ARC. This is after I moved to ARC, but I was still working for the builder. And someone said, hey, I've got, um, I've got a house that could be a decent deal. Uh, they knew I was kind of in construction. They said, you want to go look at it? And keep in mind, this is before I was married. Um, I was still making seven bucks an hour swinging a hammer. So uh, before I was married, I had no money. I was living with my parents out of school. And um, this guy's like, hey, here's a $95,000 house in Irondale. You can go look at it. And I was like, well, I've got like $3, but sure. Let's sure, go yeah, check it out. Not, yeah. <laughs> um, so I went out there and I, I ran the numbers and I'm like, well, I got, I have the MLS. I understand values and I've, I've just spent a year building. And so I understand the construction side of it. And so I can, I can put these two pieces together and know that if I buy this for 95, put 40 in it, and I think I can sell it for 180, there's money to be made there. And it's a lot more than $7 an hour. So the wheels start turning. You're yeah. like, I can do this uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. But the problem is I have no money. Yeah. And so how am I going to buy a house? And so um, I figured that out through pri private money, family money. I just kind of went out, went literally anyone, hey, I, I found a deal. It I works. But I have She's no money. begging like family members. Yeah. And stuff. Just like, hey, uh, just let me like $5,000. Please, <laughs> yeah. please, please. Please, can I have $3? So, I'll pay it back. Yeah. Um, so I got it and uh, I actually partnered up with one of my childhood friends. Shout out to Hunter, um, who we still invest together today. And um, we had two goals. We said we're going to do most of the work ourselves. Um, oh, that always goes right. super easy. Yeah, But super it was well. so we understand it, right? Because yeah, new sure. construction, what I learned, was very different from uh, renovation okay. and existing homes. And so... Uh, we do, do all the work ourselves and to not lose money because it's not our money, right? Sure. And it's not only not our money, but it's our family money or our friends' money. So someone we know where if we burn that bridge, it's blood money, man. Yeah. Thanksgiving's okay. going to get real awkward. So, <laughs> yeah. right. All right. Um, and so those are our two goals. And over the next 11 months, we flipped that house and sold it and made 500 bucks. 500 bucks. <laughs> $500. Are you serious? Yeah, man. Um, but that, that was the best $500 I've ever made. Well, because, I'm sure, yeah, the experience alone. Yeah. God, $500 Isn't after it's all said and done. Yeah. What year um, was this? This was 2013, 2014. 2013, 14. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we came out of that. Yeah, because it was, it was 11 months. We came out of that. All right, we said, we've, we've got a principle here. We've got a, we, we know how to do it. 
how can we make it scalable? Right. Make more than five hundred dollars for eleven months of work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We need better returns than that. A little bit. And so we we said, all right, we don't need to do the work ourselves. We understand it, so we just need to know how to direct the right people to do it. And we need to be able to fund these more efficiently and effectively. And so that's where I, I kind of said thank you to the builder who taught me everything I'd learned at that point and said, I'm gonna go full time as a realtor. Cause in in that three or in that eleven months flip time. I had some of my first sales. I had friends that, you know, had graduated college, were two years removed and wanted to buy their first house. And so I had no idea what I was doing, but I said, sure. How hard could it be? Man? Yeah, Come it on. can't be that hard. Seriously. I've seen it on TV. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I had one of my best friends again, who's now my neighbor. Um, he came to me and said, hey, me and my wife want to buy our first house. I said, fantastic. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm your guy. So let's do it. Confidence. No, Just, I love yeah, it. Yeah, fake it till you make it. And so um, we did it. And, you know, that's uh that was more rewarding um to help them get into a house and financially it, it set this the stage of where hey if i do this and, and and crank these out it can turn into a revenue stream that funds the investment side okay and so that was kind of the idea behind it and so uh, so I started. You want to be a full time flipper, and maybe, or or were you going to try to balance both? Well, I didn't know. You didn't know. Okay, I didn't know. All right, um, I'm with you. And that was one of my bigger issues was I didn't. I never sat down and figured out like, all right, what is all this going to look like? Um, Hunter, the guy I mentioned, who's my partner now, will joke and say that I'm, I'm the personality that will jump out of an airplane and then figure out where their parachute is. Okay, right. So and you're so, just going. You're man, just going. I'm just uh, okay. I'm going. Um, Got a couple of sales under your belt. You got that house flipped. You got five hundred dollars in your pocket. Yeah, so we're ready. You're like, wow. Yeah, no one can stop me. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we we do that and uh, help him. So yeah, help help him buy his first house. We roll through a couple of couple more of them, and then I'm like, and we flip a couple more houses. Um, and I'm like, man, we're we're having to hire a contractor for the for the license to pull permits. And that fee is anywhere from twenty to forty percent. We're paying this contractor. It's like that's really just high. like for the general contractor. Yeah, yeah, just okay. to manage the job. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So I'm like, well, how hard can it be to get your contractor's license? Are you a licensed contractor? I am. Oh, dude. <laughs> so I said, let's just go get our own. Dude, that's awesome, yeah, man. So, so I went and got my builder's license so we can pull our own permits. Sweet. Well, um, realtors in the office were like, oh, you're a contractor. My client wants to remodel their kitchen. Will you do it? And again, not knowing how to say no, I was like, sure, I'll build for you. So then I started contracting for people while flipping houses, while selling houses. Um, and I joined a team at ARC at that time. Uh, and so that that was helpful because they helped out a lot with the real estate side. So I wasn't doing, um, you know, contract to close paperwork and Just all that. Yeah, 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 all the stuff that goes with that. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was going like 10 different directions. In the middle of Sounds all that, um, I, I decided that I wanted to start keeping some rentals as well. And so um, I bought a couple of condos off Lorna Road in Hoover for like 30 grand. Put like 10 in them. So we were all in, I think we were all in like 44,000. And we stuck a tenant in there for 850 a month. And I was like, man, it's like pretty good return. Yeah, sounds like it. And so um, we bought two more, did the same thing. And, I, and, and the way what I kind of figured out at that time, it wasn't like a complete thought yet. What I figured out was flipping's like a job, right? You stop flipping, you stop making money. If you stop showing up to your job, they're going to stop paying you and, and you're out of money. 
if you buy um, a savings bond or if you buy you know something that you can invest in, then there's a, a return that can be consistent with that. If you put enough money in one of those vehicles, it'll spit off enough money to you to where you don't have to work. And that's how I look at rental property. And so I said, all right, I got I to gotta change my strategy here or start to form some kind of strategy where I'm going to sell real estate and flip houses so it'll fund purchasing rentals that will, over the long term, spit off enough cash to where I don't have to do anything. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to look at it. Yeah. So what's your formula when you buy a rental property? What's the, the end goal as far as rent? I mean, is there like a formula you use where like, okay, I'm going to rent it X number of times before it basically pays for itself? Or is there some kind of, or what? what's the end goal there before you're just like all in the profit, I guess? Yeah. Um, so it's property specific. Okay. Um, I, I won't have a clear answer for you. But, okay. I'm sure I'm, uh, I don't know anything about yeah, this Yeah. So but. I'll give you kind of a general rule, like my, my 30,000 foot view general rule. And, and it's, it's kind of known in the like investment industry as like the 1% rule. But basically I'll look at a property if the uh, monthly gross income is 1% of the purchase price. Meaning if I can buy that house for $100,000, then I would need to rent it for at least a thousand bucks a month. And if it, if it meets that threshold, then, okay, let's do a deep dive into it. What's the condition of it? What are the taxes? What are the insurance? Um, how practical is it to get $1,000 a month? And what's my vacancy? Figure out all the numbers and really do a deep dive. And if it checks out, let's buy it, right? And then we'll put it on a, as, you know, a 30-year note and hopefully it cash flows. Mm. So, yeah. Cool. I'm going to go buy a condo, you know, after we get done talking. Let's do so it. So I just need to know. We'll write the, it up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, cool, man. So uh, you're still with Arc Realty, I mm-hmm. guess, and uh, you have a couple of rental properties. Are you still doing the flipping too? I'm not. So uh, we're, this, this is a long intro. Sure, but, sure. Um, about two years ago, you know, I was running 10 different directions <clears throat> and it was just too much. I wasn't going anywhere. The the kind of metaphor analogy I've heard of it is, you know, you're, you're on an island trying to get to Success Island over here. And you're building 10 foot of a flipping bridge and 10 foot of a rental bridge and 10 foot of a contractor bridge. You're never going to get over here because you're, you're being pulled in a hundred different places. That's a pretty cool analogy. Yeah. I've and so if you say, all right, I'm going to ignore these three bridges and just focus on these two and put all my time and energy into them or this one, then it can really grow and you can actually get over here. Okay. But if you continue just to build tiny little bridges, you're never going to get there. Sure. And so uh, about two years ago, said, you know, what do I enjoy? What do I want to do? Because what I've learned in, in the side of real estate, investing and sales, whatever you want to focus on, you, you can succeed in. There are successful realtors who focus on foreclosed $5,000 trailer homes, but they'll turn three hundred dollars a year, right? And they'll make $300,000 a year. Mm. Like you can succeed in that if you want to be the expert in that. Um, if you want to only focus on, you know, seven figure homes in Mountain Brook, you got to be the expert in Mountain Brook and you can focus on that and you can do that if that's what you want to do. So I was looking at all these avenues that I was working in and said, what, what do I want to do? And it came down to sales cause it, it's, I just love it. It's so much fun to work with people who want to work with you, right? Every now and then we get some crazy people, but when you get to work with friends and family who just truly appreciate the help and, and want to be there and you get to help them realize their dream or get them into a dream home. And it's fun. There's a lot of emotion that goes into it. And so when it's, when it's all positive, it, it's a blast. Sure. That's awesome, so, man. 
been getting to see new houses and, and yeah. all that stuff. And um, yeah. we were kind of talking before we got started. You said you sell kind of all over, but your primary focus is, um, I guess, around um, Birmingham Metro and maybe some of the outlying cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said you sell pretty much anywhere in the state. If I need to get a lake house up in Coleman, I, I could call you. <laughs> you can. You can. Um, what I'll tell people Are you is, the expert in Coleman Lake Homes? Exactly, that's that, it. That's okay. exactly where I'm going. Yeah. I, and I'm not, right? Um, we, we've got some family with lake property in Logan Martin. So if you if you want to try to buy there, I know that lake pretty well. kind of grew up on it. Um, but if you're trying to buy on Lake Tuscaloosa, I don't really know much about it. Can yeah, I? this is a floodplain. Yeah. Uh, you don't want <laughs> right? to buy here. Yeah. Uh, this looks like a dock. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I can do it, but am I really the best person for you there? Okay. And so that's I what you. I try to teach people is, you know, people go with, well, he's my buddy, so I'm going to use him, or he'll give me a discount rate, so I'm just going to go with him. I'm like, use How your... hard is it, man? Just selling homes? <laughs> right, Come on. right. Well, I say, you know, use who you're comfortable with. That's yeah, cool. Sure. I guess there's an element to but that. But also make sure that they know what they're doing. Make sure that they're the expert. And, and so with that, you know, I've got focused target areas. I grew up in Hoover. Uh, Rachel and I live in Bluff Park now. And so that's that's the majority of my business. And that's where I, and that's intentional, right? I don't do a lot of marketing. I don't push for a ton of business in Greystone. I know Greystone. I'll do it if, if someone wants some help. But um, it's just not really my focus area. Okay. So. Um, I, I have done a ton downtown, a lot of, a lot of condos, a lot in Southside, um, Avondale area. I've done a lot down there, um, in construction and real estate. And so, and a lot of our demographic is there that I work with. And so I'll, I'll do some down there. Um, now that I'm getting into the age of families and kids and, um, you're seeing a little bit more into the suburbs of Vestavia and, and Homewood. So, um, okay. So I guess the take home note there is wherever area you're buying, find somebody that's knowledgeable about that area. And I guess that's common sense, it sounds like. but It is, but you'd be surprised. On, I mean, we got a billboard right down the street, uh, the fly-by-night, you know, you can become a realtor in two weeks, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, come on, you don't trust those guys? Well, and and so that's a real estate school. I know, I know the one you're talking about. And okay. that's uh, one of the big topics in the real estate industry right now is the barrier to entry or lack of barrier to entry to be a licensed realtor. I mean, it doesn't you can, sound like it's very hard to no, become a licensed realtor it, You at need all. like 2000 bucks in two weeks. Okay. And if you can, you know, if you got through elementary school, you can pass the test. Like it's, it's sweet. Pretty, I'm going to be a realtor. <laughs> you're in, man. Yeah. But then that's like just the start of it. Like you don't, I mean, they teach you like the legalities of what you need to know, but from a practical standpoint, it's, it's just not really there. And so you've got all these people, especially when the economy's good, that say I'm going to be a realtor and dive in and then start start doing transactions with no idea no idea what they're doing and one of the reasons I love the company I met is they they make you go through like a mentor program and a, a learning process but a lot of the companies out there are just hey we would love to have your monthly fee come on in and I hope you sell something and yeah. It's, there's no trend. So I guess there's an incentive there for a bigger company to just get as many people, like the Alexander Shinara of, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. of realtors, you know, just get out there and sell to anybody that's willing to, to work yeah, with you, and I then mean, you get that fee. Yeah. Well, and, you, and agents got to pay to be in the office where they sell something or not. Oh, okay. And so, like, even more so on your point, if I'm a, a brokerage and I get 5,000 agents in my brokerage, it's paying 200 bucks a month to be there. You don't Call have to, me, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to sell a thing. Like, that's fine. You know, just, just stay here and keep paying your monthly dues. So uh, the barrier to entry is something that I think is being worked on in the industry to where it, it should be a little bit harder to get in. 
So how so specifically? What what could they do to improve that, to make it, I guess, better education for those who want to become realtors or make it a little more like thorough as mm-hmm. far as like understanding that they would need to have before they just yeah, dive in? and inexpensive. I mean, I think it, they should quadruple the cost okay. to get in. Um, just because if, if you can come in and be successful, even if quadruple, what's that math? $8,000? Yeah. That's such a small scale. I mean, think of any other industry or business that someone starts because you're starting your own business. Can you go start a restaurant for eight thousand dollars? I mean, usually you're taking out like a six figure loan to sure, to start yeah. a business. So it, it's just it seems a little bit unbalanced, and again, it just leads to a lot of inexperienced people in the industry that maybe they're great people. That's fine, but you just need more training and more education getting into it. Okay. So I I can understand, you know, the, the appeal, at least with the economy being the way it is and kind of the state of the market, as I understand it, at least right now, is that people are buying homes without even looking at them. You know, there's yeah. such <laughs> scarcity, you know, out there for people who are looking for a home. Um, it seems like it would make a realtor's job pretty darn easy if, uh, <laughs> if you know, people are just willing to spend over asking price. Uh, maybe buying homes without, and I don't know if any of this, this is just all hearsay yeah, yeah. from my perspective, but what, what is the market like right now for those? Do you have people coming to you that are like desperate to buy a home that just can't find one? Um, yeah, absolutely. So the past really 16, 18 months have been just crazy. Are uh, we in a bubble? <laughs> no. No. Okay. We'll continue. Well, we, and we can get back to that, but okay. that is, uh, that's a very, very hot topic right now. Sure. Right? Um, but the economy's good past 16, 18 months. And yep. uh, and so, yeah, you've got demands just been crazy. Supply has been very low. Uh, pandemic wrecked the construction material and supply world. And so new home construction is just, I mean, it's like 16 months behind schedule right now. They sure. just, you can't get material. And I'm having that on some of my projects as well. You just, we just can't get it finished. And so that has created just crazy demand for these houses, which um, just skyrockets prices. So since the end, probably two for the past two months, it's settled a little bit. And to put that in perspective, settling a little bit means instead of fifteen to twenty offers, fifty to eighty thousand dollars over list price, Are cash, you serious? no con- no contingencies, no inspection. That's gone down to three to four offers, thirty thousand over, and we'll have some contingencies. So right. it's a great time to sell. Oh my gosh, where oh, are you going to go? Exactly. I right? guess if you, you got to have a plan B. Yeah. But. I mean, if if I had a, a row of homes to sell people, I, I've got about sixteen people that would line up today to sell because they, they they come to me, Blake. I can make a hundred thousand dollars if I sell my house right now. I'm like, that's fantastic. That hundred thousand dollars. What are you going to do? Yeah. Either you can go rent and throw away half of it, or you can take that hundred thousand dollars and go buy something that's probably just as good as what you just sold for $100,000 more. Right, because you're going to have to pay over just yeah. to beat out everybody else that's trying to buy it. So right. that's a good point. Unless you have somewhere, unless you're going to live at mom and dad's house or something. Yeah, which some are. Yeah. yeah, I have some of that because they're just, I mean, the upside is is so uh, exponential for some of these clients and some of these sellers that it, it's worth it. Yeah. And they'll go do it. Uh, another another side of that and, and the conversation I have with a lot of my buyers is what's your goal in this next house? Because if you're going into this next house as a, it's a two to three year house for you, well, you can get a great rate right now. And, and rates dictate a lot of where the market is. Rates are crazy low right now. You can get 2.8% on a Yeah, we just unit. refinanced and uh, yeah. got an awesome rate, yeah. So that's awesome. 
but but prices are higher not in a bubble but they're they're elevated mm -hmm. where i think they will settle a little bit but not enough to where the monthly payment offsets increased rates in the future okay and so what i mean by that is if rates are three percent today and they go to four and a half percent next year from a monthly payment standpoint that that point and a half change in rate is equivalent to about a $50,000 price change on a house. And so if, so it might be better to wait for a house price to drop a little bit, even though you're paying a higher rate. Is that what you're saying? The opposite of that. The opposite of that. Okay. Because I don't think prices are going to change $50,000. Gotcha. Okay. Now I'm with you. So if I've, if I want a $1,500 payment today at 3% interest, that gets me a $300,000 house. I'm making this number up, but let's say it's a $300,000 house. Next year, if I want my payment to be $1,500 a month, but rates are four and a half, that gets me a $250,000 house. Where that $300,000 house today might not be worth 300, but it's not gonna drop to 250. It might be 285. So now if you want that house a year from now, you gotta buy it at 285 and your month payment's 1,700. So that's why I'm telling people if, if you're, if you're looking for like a five plus year house, like if you're going to a family house, you, you want to raise kids there, it's better to buy now because it, if you can find one to buy, <laughs> if you can find yeah. one to buy, if you're going to, if you're going to buy something and sell it in two years, it might not be a good idea right. because when prices fluctuate a little bit down, then on top of losing a little bit off your purchase price, cause you're not chipping away at any interest on your on the front of your loan right those first two years is pretty much all interest sure um so you're not chipping away at principal excuse me uh and so then on top of that you've you've got your fees to sell as well and so you're going to be underwater are houses selling more popular in densely populated areas like birmingham metro whereas if i were to go out maybe towards springville or argo or any of those areas um do you see more opportunities there for people to buy or is it just across the board? Like there's just not a lot out there. Uh, it's across the board for across sure. The board, okay. Yeah. So again, to my example of like how it's all relative of how crazy in demand is right now, when you go further out, it, it's not going to be as nuts. You're not going to get 20 offers and go hundred thousand over list price. But you're still going to get several. You're right? still going to get it. And what's happening is this is wild. Birmingham in the past two years has been put on like an investment pedestal for the country. It has been on all kinds of lists saying this is one of the best markets in the country to invest in. Really? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, just this year, I've sold probably over $2 million of real estate to like California investors. And, and they're coming in buying at prices that like I would never touch as an investor. It just doesn't make sense. But compared to the, the returns they're getting out there, they're eating it up. They're loving it. And so what what's happening and the price point's usually like 300 and under like if they can get around 200 to 250 that's kind of bread and butter is where they want to buy and so all the people who are homeowners home buyers who want to be and that's their budget are getting beat out because all this investor money coming in is cash okay so you're not necessarily losing to bob down the street mm -hmm. you're losing to some dude out west that's yeah 100 oh, yeah okay. what are they doing with these homes just renting them renting them out mm -hmm. okay well yeah. now we know yeah. So my, going back to my 1% rule I was talking about, like where I try to look at, you know, a thousand bucks a month for a hundred thousand dollar house. For example, um, I sold one about two months ago, brand new construction, $370,000. It just leased for 2,700. So like 
but it's cash. So it cash flows a month because they don't mm -hmm. have a mortgage payment. But if I go out and buy that and put a mortgage on it, I'm going to lose like 400 bucks a month. Right. I'm negative cash flow. So I can't compete with that. So it's not only knocking out your home buyers, but it's knocking out all your local investors too. Well, you got to have money to make money. I guess the rich yeah. get richer cash. Hey, cash is king. Cash is king. Yeah. But okay. So speaking earlier, uh, you said we're not in a bubble though. Yeah. What was the, not knowing, I mean, does the market just go in these waves like this? I mean, have we seen a giant push in buying and, and scarcity in the market? Like we've seen these past 18 months. I mean, uh, so definitely or what was the pandemic a cause of this or just all of a sudden everybody's like, ah, this is the time I want to go buy a house. And, you know, <laughs> it just we just all decided all at once. Yeah. Uh, so the pandemic definitely played into it. But like I mentioned, it's kind of driven by that interest rate. And so as that rate goes down, money is cheaper. And so more people are able to get right. better loans. And, and the economy's better. And so more people are, are making more money and, and spending more money. The difference is, especially how this is different from the 08 bubble, is the banks and their lending. And so, and this was the biggest difference. Have you ever seen the movie, The Big Short? Yeah. So one of my favorite I had movies. to watch it over and over because yeah. <laughs> they kind of go over my head. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But if you followed it, the, what the banks were doing were, was giving, you know, someone with no credit history, with, with no rights to money as much as they wanted. Right. And they were going out and buying, you know, a million dollar house and... Um, Getting foreclosed on yeah. and not able to make the payments on. Right. So, yeah. so today, it's it's they the lending restrictions are are still very strict, and they've actually in the past two years gotten more strict. Now, is that a direct result of that crash that we saw? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what they're doing. I mean, then they were you could go out and get a loan for one hundred ten percent. So you go buy this house for two hundred thousand dollars. The bank's like, hey, how about I give you two twenty? Yeah. You're like. Okay. Extra 20 grand? Yeah, yeah baby. Who's I'm saying I'm no going to install a pool. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm going to go buy a new car. So that, that's we're nowhere close to that right now. Dang Banks it. are, yeah, okay. <laughs> I know. Um, so that that's where that protection is. And and I think where we're we're not so much in a bubble. And there's a lot. I'm not an economist, so I can't go too sure. deep into it's it. It's hard but, to know, man. I mean. But that's a lot of it is you don't have a lot of over lending and people over leverage. Some of the red flags that we had the last time that's if right. you're comparing A to B. Yeah. Okay. Where do you see like the future of the market going? You, th you say you think it's going to kind of plane out a little bit, mm -hmm. but you don't see like a big dip where it's just going to go the opposite mm -hmm. the other way and crash or anything like that. No, again, it's driven by that interest rate. A, a lot of it is. And so unless the Fed comes out and just does something wild, which who knows, uh, but as long as they're carrying the trends that they're projecting and they're talking about doing, it'll those rates will creep up a little bit and, and things will settle some, right? Prices will go come down maybe five, probably not even 10%, maybe 5% and just kind of settle. And so we're in kind of a new normal of values, which is wild because vi values have, have skyrocketed over the past two years to where the mindset is, all right, well, this has gone up $100,000. Like, I'll just wait it out. I don't I don't think there is a wait out. Oh, okay. Until it, I mean, the market does this sure. over, you know, 100 years. So yeah, it'll eventually come down, but... But Probably you may be not. waiting a while, especially if you're like, you need a home or yeah. you're a newborn and you're in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking to that, we rented an apartment for three years before we purchased this house. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a great real estate agent that helped us. And the market was pretty hot then. I mean, we put in a few offers that we got beat out by oh, some yeah. other people. So that's kind of soul crushing. <laughs> and so speaking to the excitement that you get when it's like, oh, this may be it. This yeah. may be the one. I can, I can definitely relate to that rush. I guess, yeah. you know, it's just super exciting. What would you? What advice would you offer to someone in the market that we're in right now that's maybe like looking to take that next step? 
what are some practical things that they could do? I mean, obviously there's not a lot to choose from, but maybe there's some things that they can do to kind of move themselves in the right direction and not throwing away two grand a month on this condo downtown that, you know, you're just basically throwing your money away for no ownership, no equity. Um, Where I tell people to start is on the financing side, like you said. So you're, you, you need to have your financing lined up before you even look at a house. And that's what I tell my buyers is. Know, know what you can pay for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like, guess that makes sense. Yeah. I got, you know, I, I have them all the time, which this is, I mean, I'm not, this is fine because it's kind of human nature to go this way, but they'll see a house that looks beautiful. It's half a million dollars. Shoot it to me. Hey, let's go look at this. <laughs> say, you haven't called that lender. I asked you to talk to. I have no but idea. But look at these photos, right. dude. I want to go check out the hot tub. Like, do you have a half a million dollars cash? Yes. Okay, let's go. No. All right. How are you going to buy this? I don't know, but I love it. And, you know, Google told me I can afford it. Fantastic. Call this lender and then we'll go look at it. Because even if the lender says you can afford it, you need to always tell them to meet with a lender and meet with your final financial advisor. If you don't have one, I've got perfect people in town. Because even if you're approved for half a million dollars, if you're trying to keep your, your monthly payment at two, two grand a month, that's not half a million dollars. That's $330,000. And so they need to line up and we need to get a good understanding of that budget. And then... Your max all-in budget. Yeah. <laughs> and then bring you to reality to yeah. say the product that you want is a half million dollar house. Reality says you're going to have to do some work on a house for three thirty dollars because it's not going to be... It's not, it's not the same thing. So setting those expectations. And, and I really... Um, I can't harp on this enough, but finding an agent, finding a lender with that experience and knowledge instead of just being a yes man saying, yeah, I'll go show you anything you want. Yeah, I'll write this offer. But th- but if you find someone who knows what they're doing and knows the ins and outs of the process and can really tee you up for the best rate of success, that's what you need. So that's why I say, hey, if your brother's one of the best agents in town, use him. But make sure that he is before you dive in. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, do you prefer helping people buy a home or helping people sell a home if you had to choose? That's a hard question. Um, I'm, I'm more on the sales side, like listing side. Um, it really comes down to the people though. You know, I enjoy the process of both helping find someone buy a house and, and the emotion and excitement, especially first time home buyers. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you just said, you, know, you go through that rush and when you get to be a part of that, man, it's so fun. I remember when we first walked into this house and it was completely empty, but I was just like, this is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's just, it's emotion. There's so much emotion in the residential side of real estate that it's, um, that's what makes it fun. It's also what makes it very frustrating at times when you deal with some crazy people, but overall, um, it, it's awesome. So do you ever have people that just get too caught up in the emotion and maybe this house is just about... It's only $15,000 above our budget. Oh, it needs this done. Oh, okay, we're only $20,000 above <laughs> our budget, but I love it so much. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have people like that where time. you're kind of having to like, are you sure about this? Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's a very open, I guess, joke or whatever in our industry of saying that we're, we're counselors and we're filters, right? Like counselors to our clients when the emotion's high, when the emotion's low. We're also filters between what they want to say to the other party and what's actually communicated. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause you like, tell them there's no way in hell yeah. we're doing that. <laughs> it is like, well, they, I'll tell them. I'll yeah, tell them. They offer what? <laughs> like tell them to go. I'm yeah. like, I'll let them know for sure. So I'll say it just like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, again, a lot of emotion and stuff into it, but again, that's, that's half the fun of it. But on the, I, I do love the listing side of it because you still, usually you get both sides of that. You get to help them move. You get to help them stage. I, I've, I've got a, would like to think kind of a unique toolbox where I can come oh, in sure. and, and say, Hey, from the construction you gotta side, gotta fix this. You gotta paint that. Oh, that's right. terrible. That's awful. What, why did you put your microwave there? Yeah, let's, let's move that. <laughs> yeah, and and I try. You know, it's literally in my best interest to be as as transparent and honest sure. as possible. Sure. Not offensive, not rude, but just say, look, wallpaper, really? Yeah. <laughs> this is terrible. Why'd you? Uh, but yeah, just I mean, uh, kind of blunt to say, look, you, you've hired me as a professional to put you in the best position to sell this house as quick as possible for the highest amount of money as possible. And so if I'm not going to hold my opinion back, cause that's, that's why I'm here. That's why you've hired me. What's, so, what's the quickest you've ever sold a home? Um, an hour, I mean, hour? before, before really? it goes up. Really? I mean, yeah. Cause I, I've sold a lot of homes where I, I'll get a call saying, Hey, I want to sell my house. Can you come look at it? All right, let me come see it. And then while I'm in there in my head, I've like, I've got three buyers who want this right now. Oh, okay. So yeah, you've so, already got people in mind. I yeah. didn't think about that. So it's like, oh, we don't have to list this. Joyce and I mean, Danny really need a house, and this fits <laughs> them exactly. So yeah, and there's some legalities to go about how you can do that. Um, you can't just bring Joyce and Danny with you to go you, check it out. I'm you can't. Yeah. Well, yeah. It. It. Yeah. You can. But. So uh, I, I noticed kind of surfing through your social media and stuff, you had a lot of like hesitancy for people that think. I can sell my house. The market we're in, <laughs> houses are selling themselves, man. I don't need an agent. So why would you say, if I decided to sell my house tomorrow, that maybe that wouldn't be the best idea, that maybe I should get an agent? Um, maybe something we hadn't already talked about, but yeah. you know, what are some of the things that maybe the pitfalls of people who are trying to sell their own home would fall into? Yeah, so when so if a buyer comes with, so you, let's say you do it for sale by owner, a buyer comes with their own agent representation. So what does that mean exactly? Let's let's break that down. If, for sale by owner, I mean, it sounds obvious, but mm. basically, I'm I have no agent. I'm mm -hmm. acting as my can is that that's completely legal. You oh, don't yeah. have to have like no. a licensed realtor mm. to walk you through this process. But at the same time, you have no idea what you're doing. No. So I I would assume maybe what you were about to say is that you can fall victim to them maybe taking advantage of your lack of expertise. One hundred percent. It's literally their job. To take as much to advantage of you. exploit the hell out of you. 100%. It is. <laughs> okay. It is. And, and right. that's when I'm on that side of it, again, professionally. Cutthroat, bloodthirsty. Absolutely. Just, okay. All right. <laughs> because my job is to work to the best of my ability for my buyer. For your client. For sure. my buyer. I don't work for you as the seller. My job's to get them the best deal I can. So if that means that we're you know, asking for the moon and pulling all kinds of legal tricks on you, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to do it because that puts my buyer in the best position. Now, if you've got agent representation, they all they know those tricks. They know the timelines. They know termite and title and, and all sure. the stuff that goes with it. And so then it's just a smooth transaction. As the homeowner, you can just sit back and say, hey, my agent's got it because I trust him. I interviewed him. We're good. Uh, and just rock and roll. So what are some of the things that you, an agent, would exploit or maybe that somebody's trying to sell their own home wouldn't know to, to do? Yeah, well, if I, I told guess. you that, you wouldn't hire me. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, fine. Um, well, cool, man. So, yeah, get an agent, I guess, is the take-home point there. Yeah, well, and again, get one that knows what they're doing, right? Because it's the same thing. If if I'm, if I represent the buyer and you've hired, um, you know, Betty Joe, who graduated real, real estate school last week, she's just as good as you. 
I'm going to take advantage of her as much as I can to get the best deal for my client because she has no idea what she's doing. Yeah. So uh, that's why it's equally important even on the, the when you go to sell a house to make sure that you interview you know more than one agent and you, you treat it like it's a professional process. It's not just your buddy who's an agent who, you know, you, you know he's in real estate, so you're going to use him. Do you get a lot of people that, that maybe want to buy fixer-uppers? I know that's like kind of a, <laughs> a, a over the past few years with TLC and, and just um, – Yes. Or uh, what's the channel, Dan? HGTV. HGTV, oh, man. yeah. Is that uh, – Yeah. You know, people buy things and think, oh, I can, I can spruce yeah. this up and, and yeah. make this work. Yes, and that's um, – gosh, it, it's been a problem in this industry because really? it has because you have people who just like, hey, I'm going to be a realtor – hey, I'm going to be a flipper. You don't have to have a license. You don't have to pass any tests. All you got to have is, is access to money or money to be a flipper. That's all you got to have. And so if you, if you have a good W-2 job, you can go borrow a construction loan from a bank and you go flip a house. Tech, you don't know, you don't have to be a builder. You, you're supposed to pull permits, but there's no one out there really checking. And so I walk into houses all the time that it's just lipstick on a pig. And my clients are like, it's HGTV, Joe and again. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. And I'm like, I, if you want to buy this house, you have to fire me. I'm not representing you because this house is terrible. It's going to catch you fire. really said that? Oh, I, oh I, man. I won't. I tell people all the time, I'm not going to let you buy this house. And if you decide you want to, you can't use me because this house will catch fire next next week. Like, <laughs> the house will burn down yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> like, like I see so many. As soon as you run the microwave, it's toast. Yeah. Like, the, I mean, people just don't know what they're doing. And so they'll. Man, I walked into one, um, I'm with this guy under the bus. I grew up with him. He started flipping houses. And he, he called me in one day. He's out over in, uh, in Crestline. He goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm flipping this house. Come swing, come swing by and check it out. And I walk in. They're taking out a load-bearing wall. And uh, there's, you know, you got to temp up both sides. And you're putting in a big beam and all this stuff. They don't do any of that. He's got a, this guy in there just swinging a hammer, knocking out the middle studs. And instead of uh, the big beams called an LVL, it's like, it's massive that's instead of metal it's a wood beam instead of that they have like two two by sixes up there holding up the roof i'm like i just turned back around i was like i was never here i might be a part of this no one saw me someone isn't gonna die don't ever call me again like i'm it's crazy and and that's happening every single day in the industry and people don't know it and so that's what again finding someone who knows what they're talking about on the real estate side and the home inspection side and making sure that they can find these issues and not just and be able to see past the Joanna Gaines in the house and look at the electrical and the plumbing and the structure. I mean, that's a huge deal. I noticed in this room, you've got beams behind me holding up this foundation and, the, and those were put in. A lot of Birmingham was built, you know, this area in the 20s. And then you get into like Vestavia Bluff Park. That's like 60s and 70s. You've got foundation issues all over Birmingham. It's very hilly. There's a lot of block foundation. Very common. Not a big deal if it's taken care of correctly. But if you've got some guy who comes in here and like screws in a six by six wood beam against there and said he did the foundation work, a normal buyer's not going to know that. Right. And so now there's just a lot of stuff to look out for. Alabama is one of the few states in the country that's a buyer beware state, meaning the seller does not really? have to disclose anything that's wrong with the house unless it's harmful to your health and safety. So like if they went through and the roof craving in is not harmful to your health and safety. Right, and that and that's the gray area. Yeah. But they're like, well, I didn't know about it. Prove prove that I knew about it, right? Okay. And so if you don't have an agent that knows what to look for or a home inspector who knows what they're doing, you're stuck with it. That's your problem. Once you sign that paper, there's no legal ramification on going back on them. Beware. Yeah. Man. 
Yeah, talking about these beams, when we um, initially looked at this house, um, we had an inspector come out, and that was the biggest thing that he caught, amongst other things. He was like, man, this wall's leaning pretty good. You, you probably need to have that re-looked at. And long story short, we did, and um, he ended up paying to have, I think it's like seven beams that nice. support that wall mm -hmm. right there from collapsing on us. So yeah. very thankful for our inspector who uh, caught that on <laughs> our behalf. and Because he was like, man, if you wouldn't have done that when you went to sell the house, now that's your problem. Yep. You know, uh, What's some – I mean, I'm, you're in and out of houses all day long seeing mm -hmm. stuff like that. What's some of the craziest things that you've seen – in new homes that maybe weren't completely obvious um, structurally, mm -hmm. or just the wacky things that you see, you know, somebody yeah. trying to put a bathtub in their their attic yeah. or something like that, you know. Um, a lot of it's so the the first question is not as fun as the second, so I'll start with it and then go into the fun stuff. Um, really, it's structural stuff. So the common thing right now is open floor plan, and what that includes is open and knocking out open knocking out load bearing walls and not supporting it properly. Yes. So you got to take that load from the ceiling all the way down to the foundation and not just sit it on the concrete slab, but you got to cut in like a new footer and a whole new foundation for that beam. People don't do that. And so what happens is five years later, that beam starts to go like this. And Have you ever had anybody crying. call you and say, hey, my roof just caved in? Not yeah. my clients. Not no. your clients? Okay. <laughs> not my clients. Yeah, no. Um, but some of the fun stuff and crazy stuff I've seen is really in the, the, some of the stuff I've flipped. So I usually, I'll nickname a lot of my houses just to keep okay. them straight. It's sure. easier to. So I had the raccoon house in Homewood. Um, I can imagine where that's going. Yeah. The, actually, uh, Hunter and I picked up the one next to it. Uh, this is kind of wild. These numbers were, were pretty cool. We don't, we don't have to get into the numbers if you don't want to. No, but, man. Um, Put it out there. We picked up a house in Homewood for 30 grand. This, this that's like unheard of. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Um, Any house, if it's even. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, the dirt was, was worth more than that. But we ended up, we put in probably 130, 140. I mean, we did the whole thing. There was a river running through the foundation. So walk downstairs and the downstairs, the ceiling's probably 15 feet tall. It's all underground. So it's on a big hill. So like this side's underground. And at the bottom of the foundation, so 15 feet underground, there's a river coming out of the foundation wall through the middle of the basement and goes out the other side. Really? Yeah. Like not is it on just purpose. like dirt floors or is this no, like no, it's poured paved concrete? Con poured it's concrete. just water. <laughs> yeah. And it's not on purpose. Like the foundation has failed. Yeah, sure. Right? I mean, it sounds like it, yeah. obviously. So we had to, you know, redo that whole thing. Um, and then while we were doing that, there was a house next door that always smelled terrible. There's an old couple that lived there. Turns out they had about 15 pet raccoons that lived in the house. What? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to say there's just a bunch of wild raccoons no. in the attic or something. They were feeding them and these raccoons had absolutely destroyed the house. So, they had pulled out, like pulled the brick off the house to create like entrance holes throughout the house, like eating through the sheathing, through the insulation. They just had little holes. They would just go in and out of the house. Now, how did y'all get involved with this house? So we sold that, that top one and um, the bottom one and the one next to it, uh, I got a call probably six or eight months after. We got to know, the, it was a little cul-de-sac. We got to know the neighbors. And I got a call from one of the neighbors like six months later after we sold that first one. He said, hey... Um, the guy in this has passed away. The family's like all over the country. They don't want anything to do with it. There was a firm out of Atlanta, excuse me, that was contracted to buy it for 45,000 bucks. They keep pushing closing week after week. He said, do you have any interest in this? I can get you in touch with the probate attorney. I was like, sure. So probate attorney and I have a phone call and I said, again, I'll give you 30 grand. I'll do it Friday. It was like a Tuesday. 
was like, I'll give it to you Friday. He goes, well, we got someone on for 45000 Peace. I was like, hey, fantastic. If you can close with them, take it. And he goes, well, you can close by Friday? And I was like, yeah. He goes, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so I wrote it up and got a second one for thirty grand right next to it. Had you gone in there and discovered the the raccoon family? I knew they were, were there because we were. Yeah, we worked on that neck, the one, the first one for like six months. So I knew they were there. See them hanging out on the front porch and stuff. You're like, that's yeah. odd. Let's well, so see raccoons during the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are they coming up for food? Um, this house was one of the nastiest houses I've ever been in. Dude, so you went down, and I, I wish I had the, the picture, or something I could show you, but. Uh, email them to me. I'll throw right. them up on the screen. Okay, I'll okay. shoot them to you. Um, you went downstairs. This is like a 3,200-square-foot house. This is massive. Okay. You went downstairs, and you you stopped halfway down the stairs because the bottom six feet of the basement, which was like 1,500 square feet, was just trash. Couldn't go down there. It took us six weeks and probably 14 30-yard dumpsters to clean it out, and there was an entire boat in there there was a boat in there an entire boat oh man like a 20 foot boat couldn't even you couldn't even see it yeah. it was under all the stuff um yeah. it was wild that yeah so so the raccoon house did raccoon that one house, that takes the cake that's pretty bad um we had the heroin house in hoover so i had a little drug den in the basement with like a little party table and leather old leather couches around it and like the ambient lighting um had some paraphernalia on the on the countertop. Oh, so. still there. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like a little tie off strap. Oh like. man. Oh dude. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. So the heroin house. That was a good one. Um, what else have we had? I don't know. We kind of so um, earlier when I was talking about two years ago, I stopped flipping and just said I'm gonna focus on rentals. I'm gonna focus on big rentals, like like not just single family but like mm -hmm. let me buy an apartment complex oh wow okay <laughs> so so I how'd got, that go over uh good so i've got uh, i've got a handful now you own um, a handful of apartment complexes yeah really yeah what so um okay got yeah. a realtor tycoon right. sitting across the table from me <laughs> well again re remember it's not a job when you have passive income coming in right yeah. it's just you, you stick money here you you borrow the bank's money to buy it and then as long as the the debt service or the, the mortgage is paid from the tenant's monthly then rent. Then it's not costing you anything. Yeah, It should be making me money, yeah. right? So so hopefully there's a positive difference between expenses and income. So, uh, so anyway, so I stopped flipping, stopped all small rentals, so all the smaller stuff I'd built up. Um, I've got one on 47th, still a little triplex over here um, that's awesome. So I've got about 16 or 17 like smaller ones. And then I, now I just stick to the, the bigger ones. Dude, holy crap. Okay, I want to get into the, the, the <laughs> rental game, man. How does one go about buying an apartment complex? You can walk me through that? Yeah, it yeah. can't be that How difficult. How much time you got? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not, though. That's the coolest thing is... Because it's intimidating to think, oh, I can never yeah. own a property. I can never be a landlord. Yeah. I can never do this type of stuff. But it's all education. I, I, it's cool. If you get the concept of that first condo that I rented for 850 bucks, and you just... You create your systems. You say you don't you don't call me when your toilet is plugged at two a.m. You you do this. You don't you don't bring me cash. This is how you pay me. And, and you set those expectations up. If all you, if you're buying a, a twenty unit apartment complex, all you do is tell twenty people that instead of one. And it's the same thing. So you don't have people calling you. Hey, the dudes upstairs will not stop blaring no. music. Get over here and handle no, they this. They know better. I won't answer. Uh, okay. I told them. I said, yeah, <laughs> I will I'm, not answer. Yeah. <laughs> I am not there for you. Like, what no. if it's an emergency? Well, call nine one one. Call nine one one. Like what? Like if the house is on fire, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So, I've got insurance for that. So yeah, it, it's just systems and process. If you have those lined up, 
honestly, it's the bigger you go, the easier it is, which is which is awesome, and no one realizes that. So don't tell anybody. Okay, I'll just tell the ten people. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the cool part about it because let's say you've got a, a hundred unit apartment complex, it's spitting off enough cash flow where you can hire a full time maintenance guy. Right. Right. So anytime I imagine that, that's the only way you could do it. There's no way you could yeah. single handedly, you know, no. handle all that. That's crazy. No. Um, with services like VRBO and Airbnb, you know, people are kind of dabbling in that rental place. Hey, I got a shed out back. I've turned into a mother-in-law suite I could rent out or, you know, I got this condo at the beach that I'm not using full time or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any input about services like that or people using that? Yeah. Like as an investment vehicle? Yeah. Or just like, Hey, I've got some property and maybe use VRBO or some of these online Mm -hmm. services that kind of hold your hand and walking yeah. through being a tenant or a landlord, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and the returns, um, so there's a lot of people in the market right now, a lot of investors in the market that are buying specifically for short-term rental. And and it the money's better in it. Like my triplex over here on 47th. Um, so it's short-term rentals with that clause. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Airbnb, okay. like less than a month um, at a time. I turned one of the units, it was, it's, a, that, it's an old house, it's an upstairs and a downstairs. The downstairs had a long-term tenant. The upstairs, uh, I was like, I'm going to try Airbnb. And I was probably one of the best months making an extra 500 bucks a month in, versus having a long-term tenant in there. But the headaches that come along I was with about it, to say, man, you got people coming in day, you know, week in, week out. Yeah. Not only did my downstairs tenant get really mad because sure, you know, yeah. you, you're in Airbnb, you're not there to like be quiet and sleep. Sure, right? yeah. They're not part of it. Yeah. So, so she got super mad at me. And then, I mean... 500 bucks is a lot of money, but at the end of the day, it's, hey, the cleaner didn't show up and someone's coming tonight to, for a two-night oh, stay. Yeah. Who's cleaning it? Get your mop bucket. Right. So it's just that. And then, like, I mean, it's crazy. When we stay in an Airbnb, like, we have a good time, but, like, we're not we're not wild. But some of the people we saw come through there were like, what in the world are y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Raging. Yeah. Like, I, I know you're, I bought your hair one house, so you had to come here, I guess. So. Well, my grandfather, uh, you know, he got into rental properties and stuff, and it was a nightmare, man. Like, right. um, you know, just some of the tenants, and it was more in like some of the low income areas and stuff. And I don't know, man. I was put off on the whole like uh, he passed away recently, and those homes were kind of like, hey, do, you, do the grandkids want to do anything with these? And we were all like, no, no, <laughs> just let's fix them up, sell them, be yeah. done with them. We don't want to manage that because we knew so much of the headache that he had to go through. Yeah. So I know, like. Um, and it's kind of off subject, I guess, a little bit. But my coworker, um, his brother-in-law, got into buying like Section Eight homes mm-hmm. and fixing those up. And basically, the government reimburses you for the tenants that they put in there. Um, and he seemed to has success. Has like ten homes that you know he rents out and is guaranteed so much income per month. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any experience in any yeah. of those areas? Yeah, it sounds like you have experience in every area. Yeah, I've got some Section 8 tenants myself. Oh, okay. Um, some of my favorite people. So there's a uh, unfortunate common misconception that low income means bad people, Sure. right? And sometimes it does, but that can't be a blanket stereotype. Like some of my Section 8 people are like the coolest, some of my favorite people ever. They're awesome. so nice. Yeah. They're just in a hard spot in life, or some of them are disabled or handicapped and just have to go on that government assistance. Um, but mine, your, your, the rent you'll get will be a little bit below market. So, like, I've got a, a duplex kind of down by UAB, but kind of on the on the Titusville side. And I may could get 700 bucks a month per unit, but the government's giving me, I think, on one of them, 600 or 585. So, it's a little bit lower, 
but two of those four tenants have been in there 17 years. Oh, wow. So if I have three months of vacancy and, and a turn, meaning I've got to repaint and refloor and new appliances, I mean, that, that difference in that $100 a month is gone pretty quickly. So mm -hmm. knowing that I, I have that stable income, um, so that's one big part of it. The second is, of course, checks coming from the government. I know it's coming every month. Yeah. There, there's no late, there, there's just nothing. Um, on top of that, depending on the tenant, they'll be responsible for a portion of that. So like if I'm getting 600 bucks a month, the government will pay 580 and the tenant has to give me 20 bucks a month, right? And you're like, well, why don't they just don't do it? It's 20 bucks. But they will because they have a Section 8 voucher. And if they lose that voucher in Birmingham, there's an eight-year wait list to get it back. Eight years, dude. And so you can guarantee that they're not going to do anything to jeopardize that voucher because then they'll lose their house yeah. and they got to get back in line for eight years. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and they have yearly inspections. I got, I got my inspections next week coming up. And they come in and make sure that the tenant, not me, I got to provide like a habitable place, sure. but the tenant's taking care of it, right? So if they've come in and destroyed it, they'll lose their voucher. So they take care of my property better than some of my A-class tenants. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm sure the A-class is where you're having your problems and stuff. Having so many, how many rental properties do you have? Uh, about 90. 90. Yeah. Jeez, dude, that's crazy. No, I just sold 32 last week. So yeah. whatever that math is. You sold 32 yeah, properties. Yeah, it was, it was a, a building. It was empty, but it was 32 units. So, yeah. Okay. That was a wild one. That was super fun. So. Uh, do tell. What, what, so <laughs> what is that? A 32-unit um, building that you owned? And then... So it was an apartment complex up over by Topgolf, north side, kind of at uh, Druid Hills, Fountain Heights, the okay. area that was going yeah, The whole area is coming up. Um, so th this is a kind of a cool story. I, I'm like geek out a little bit, so it might be super boring. But Lay it on me, man. Um, so probably five times a month, I'll have someone say, hey, I want to invest in real estate. I saw HGTV once. And I'll say, Well, cool. you're getting me fired up. We're going to yeah. tell me what to do, yeah. man. Golly, you got so, 90 units. Well, I've got a set of homework. And I say, here are like four or five books I need you to read. And then here's a real estate podcast. Go listen to all 500 episodes. When you're done, call me. Okay. <laughs> right. So that, that's the homework I get. I'll talk to you in a year. <laughs> all right. But but seriously, so I've, I've done that to probably 300 people. I've had two do it. And one of them who... Um, he had no knowledge, right? Wasn't starting out with anything, but just the house him and his family own. Um, he found that deal and was a partner in it and just made over 50 grand. Wow. More Actually, he made a good bit more than that. And it's because he did the homework and did the education and, and wasn't afraid to do the work, which that's where a lot of people just stop, right? They're like, ah, just, ah, it's a lot of work. I'm like, I don't oh, have time. Yeah. yeah I'm busy. It's like, well, that's fine. It's not a priority. You got to catch up yeah. on Game of Thrones, dude. <laughs> that's right. I don't have time to learn about real estate. So that was a cool thing. So this deal, I've never done anything like this. It was awesome. We, um, this is going to be a deep dive. We, so if you don't pay your taxes, um, yeah, how do you even find these deals? It, it's crazy. So this okay. one, <laughs> like... this one, if you, if you don't pay your taxes on this house, then you're delinquent on your taxes, right? Come May, if you're in Jefferson County, it'll go up for auction. And I could come and pay your taxes for you. And then you own the house? <laughs> no, I own your tax right. Oh. Well, you, what does that mean? That means for the next... So three, I could still live here, but you own the yep, tax right? Yep. And I'll have no rights to the property. I can't come in here. I can't get on your... It's yours. Well, what's the incentive? If I pay it, if you don't redeem it for three years, I can get what's called a tax deed. And I do have some rights. I don't have, like, I don't own it, but I do have some rights. If it's vacant, I can stick a tenant in there and I can start making money off of it. If I own it for, if I own a tax deed for three years, so a total of six years, 
and quiet title, which means I basically put the title in my name. This now becomes my house for paying your taxes for six years in a row. So your taxes are what? 1200 bucks a year, maybe $1,500. Yeah. Something like that. So for $8,000, I own this house six years from now. So that's the cool part. Well, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice, though. I mean, like, well, right? yeah, you got to hope that they don't start paying their taxes. But if you do, I get, like, anywhere from 10 to 20% interest on my money. Okay. So let's say you don't pay for two years. I've got two grand in it. And then you say, oh, shoot, I forgot to pay my taxes. Hold on, let me go redeem that. You do that at the county. The county says, hey, Blake, he redeemed it. Here's the two grand back plus, plus 20%, 20% interest for, for your time. For two years. Better once yeah. you get in a normal savings account. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, sure. so it's a whole investment strategy of... Um, you know, do you do it just for the return, which like big REITs or like insurance companies that just need like the 2% REITs, return. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jargon there <laughs> in the realty world. In, yeah. Yeah. Real estate investment trusts, like, yeah. like big entities, like out of New York, right. With billions and millions of dollars. All they want is like a 3% return for their clients. So if they come in and do this and they get a 10%, like, Hey, why not? Um, or you've got people like me who want to own the property. Okay. So, so anyway, so the property, the taxes were delinquent on this 32 unit. Um, there's people in the in the <laughs> in the investment world called wholesalers, meaning um, I'm gonna see I'm gonna convince someone to sell their property, and and sign a contract with me, and then I'm gonna go find someone who wants to buy it, and they're gonna sell it for ten grand. I'm gonna sell it him for twenty. I'm gonna make ten grand. And you're just like a you're just the middleman. You're like, just or a middle broker, man. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you're brokering deals. But you have to have no license, no experience, no nothing to do it. It's the cheapest and easiest way to get into real estate investing. All you gotta do is just find two people. Okay. Um, so a wholesaler saw the tax, the, the delinquent taxes and, and was trying to sell them. Meaning, Hey, the taxes are delinquent on this for, um, $20,000. Um, I'll sell it to you for 105,000. And then if you keep it for, it, it was already at a tax deed, which is, we don't go there, but if you just have it for three years then you can own this property for 105,000. And I said, all right, well, I know you're a wholesaler. I know the process. So I'm just going to stick you over here and let me go do this myself and just kind of skirt around her because she's about to make 80 grand. I don't need to pay you $80,000. Mm -hmm. So we go and um, the, the guy that started this whole thing, he, he did all the legwork. Shout out to him. He did an incredible job. Um, he found that the, uh, the, the buyers who owned it they bought it like two years ago and it was seller financed. I mean, there's no mortgage from a bank on it. But these people went to the owner who owned it free and clear. She had no debt on it and said, we want to buy this from you. Can we just pay you monthly? So we'll, we'll pay you $100,000, we'll, but we'll just give you monthly checks with principal and interest in it, just like we would a bank. And then if we don't pay, you can foreclose on us. She said, sure, why not? So they did that. They stopped paying. So it was, it's uh, four different buildings, eight units each. One of them burnt. We, and, and they did not get insurance money because it was ruled as arson. So this was like a it's like a million dollar. You don't get rebuild. insurance money if somebody burns your building down? They did it themselves. Well, oh, they think, did it. Allegedly, oh, okay. Allegedly. Like trying to get insurance for yeah, all, yeah. I guess. So they, they, took, they bit off more than they could chew. They realized, we don't know how to do this. We're on the hook for this $100,000 note. Let's just burn this and get insurance money and just move on. Well, they didn't get the money. And so they just stopped paying her for like eight months. And so, um, so my partner reached out to her, we found her and said, we'll buy this delinquent mortgage from you. And it's for a hundred thousand dollars, but we'll, we'll give you 60 because it's 60 more than she was going to get. Right? right. These people were never going to pay her. We'll take over. You walk away with 60 yeah. grand and then now so, we're on the hook yeah. for the, 
So she's like, cool, take it. So we bought it. We went immediately to these guys and said, we're foreclosing on you and taking the property. And they said, no, please don't. We don't want that on our record. We'll give you a deed in lieu of foreclosure, meaning we'll just sign it over to you. You can have it, but release us of all liens. We said, sure. So we did that. So we owned this property for $60,000. Three buildings and a pile of rubble. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so our third partner, Hunter, I mentioned earlier, is like construction genius, comes from the commercial world, knows how to do all that. So we worked up a $1.3 million renovation budget. We were going to rebuild this whole thing, stick tenants in it, let it cash flow. It's going to be awesome. Before we pulled the trigger on anything, we had these out-of-town people come in and say, we want to buy this as is. And we're like, well, we don't really want to sell it, but okay, what's your offer? And they made us an offer, and it was one we couldn't refuse, so we sold it last week. Wow, awesome, man. Yeah. But the plan originally was to just flip it and have people in there. and Yeah, long-term hold. Yeah. That, that was the plan, is just to have it and let it cash flow and be something we own for you know, 10, 20 years. Dude. Right there behind Top Golf, I guess it's a pretty sweet spot. Like that yeah. whole area is like that's that's where all my stuff. that's where we focused all of our apartment concentration on because it's it's up and coming so much. Yeah, so that's where we bought a lot of them. Any other hot areas that are up and coming? Um, yeah, I mean different spectrums, right? I mean, it seems so, like everywhere. The whole southeast, you said earlier, like everybody's like coming to Alabama. And just uh, what did you say? It was like a uh, it's a buyer beware state, but it's also an investment uh, pedestal. They put it on yeah. a pedestal or something. <laughs> yeah, you might get screwed, but you know. Yeah, but it could work out. It could work out know. really, really well for you. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you're, that area. So Norwood is like the new Avondale. Um, Norwood. Okay. Yeah, which is have you ever been through Norwood Boulevard? Man, it's. I don't know if I have. Actually. It's like Top Golf extended kind of. I mean, ever yeah, I've been kind of over that area a little bit. We don't um, go to Top Golf that much, but go drive through. It's beautiful, and it's like 1920s homes from like, like when the Roaring Twenties were going on in Birmingham. Yeah. All the high execs, like that's where they lived, and like you know, you have like some of those houses in Forest Park over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was also a section because you've got. I mean, it's a beautiful drive through that boulevard. You've got views of the city from there, and you've got these awesome old craftsman style houses. Uh, it's gorgeous. Dude, that's so all cool. that's being revitalized right now. Um, and then that's pushing into that Fountain Heights, Druid Hills a little bit. Um, the city's not being super helpful on some of that redevelopment, but they're trying. Mm. And so um, it's going that direction. Well, I see uh, Woodfin's posting all the time. Like, I'm paving roads and we're, is, we're tearing down a home every day, I think. That <laughs> you know, was one of his goals or yeah. something like that. And, and he's, I mean, it's incredible the work he's doing, like leaps and bounds beyond what any other progress was being done in those areas before. Yeah. Like the revitaliz revitalization has been needed for years and years in that area. And so he's finally funneling some some energy behind that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, it's exciting, all the all the things that are happening in Birmingham mm -hmm. and everything going and once they get the final the city walk done and stuff it'll just be do you see a trend of more people trying to buy condos or people trying to buy single family homes or i mean are people trying to move out to the lake i mean what are people wanting when they come to you or do they i guess right now they want anything they can live in yeah. and move into <laughs> anything for sale um yeah so it seems like condos i mean they can't build them fast enough dude. there's can't. condos everywhere man and gosh prices so one of the metrics we go off is price per square foot Right. So that's like how an appraiser values your property. Like what is the, the price per square foot? Uh, that's how they it's it's how to make like kind of different houses and different neighborhoods. Apples to apples It's mm -hmm. like you can. That's like a common, uh, I guess, function you can use. And so you're seeing and I'm be, I'm part of Hunter and I are building some new construction in Southside right now. The price per square foot for the condo market and downtown is higher than Homewood. 
And like Homewood passed Mountain Brook 10 years ago just because of like the houses are all tiny versus yeah, 10,000 yeah. square foot houses in Mountain Brook. So you're seeing you're seeing appraisal issues because an, an appraiser comes in and says, all right, well, I'm, my job is to justify this price to the bank to make sure the bank's not over leveraging and, and the bank's not going to be underwater if this person doesn't pay their mortgage. Sure. And so the appraiser comes in and says, all right, well, here's a brand new condo that's $400 a square foot. And the, the most expensive one I can see anywhere in Birmingham's $350 a square foot. So the appraiser's saying, how in the world can I justify this? So he's coming in saying, well, it's new construction. So I'll, I had $25 a foot credit for that. And it's, you know, it's got a view of the new ballpark. So I, yeah. ten, you know, so he's trying to come up and, and justify these prices. But, um, a lot of that, the bank, which which it's good because that's kind of what created the bubble when things were just appraising for stupid numbers. So that, right. that is kind of one of those metrics that keeps it in check. But at the same time, the appraisers and banks are, are limiting those values even more than where they would be. Like if that wasn't an issue, I mean, prices would be even higher than they are now. We had a similar issue, and I'm glad you touched on that, where when we were refinancing our home, uh, we briefly thought about, okay, well, what if we sell, you know, and maybe move outside of Birmingham a little bit. We, you know, we're in a, a three bed, one bath and, uh, we definitely want a second bathroom. And so we kind of were kicking around the idea of, uh, moving out. Of course, we didn't really fully consider the fact that there'd probably be nowhere to go live yeah. and buy, but for, for, uh, uh, we have a, we had, I don't know if he still lives, a realtor that lived down at the end of our street that we mm-hmm. reached out to and said, Hey, would you mind just giving us a, you know, if you have time, uh, we were thinking about selling this home. What do you think? Obviously, you live on the same street that we do. You probably know the area. What do you think we could get for this home? And the number he gave us uh, versus what the appraiser appraised the home at using three comps was drastically different, drastically different. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, um, what's the deal here? Like, And the realtor was like, I can guarantee you this much. Which one was higher? The realtor. Okay. He was like, I can sell this house for this amount. Mm -hmm. And the appraiser was like, no, the house is worth this amount. (laughs) And so there was a big disconnect in not knowing, you know, the real estate game and and that situation, kind of what you're describing. Mm -hmm. I was like, what gives here, man? Like, because the guy who did the appraisal, we we argued with him or whatever the proper term is. We said, hey, uh, we don't think you did the comps right. We want another review. And then he justified, he came back and was like, no, here's what I based your house price on. I'm standing by the price I appraised your house at. And we were like, well, what the heck, man? And he basically said, no bank is going to approve a buyer for more than what the house appraises for. Mm -hmm. But then the realtor was like, oh, no, 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 no. Houses (laughs) in this this climate that we're in, I can sell it for this much. So can you speak to that? Can you sell a house for more than it appraises? Yeah, so... um, so one of the tools that we use, especially in this crazy market, representing a buyer to make a competitive offer is just that. So we know a house is priced at $200,000 and it's going to have 10 offers on it. And we think it's going to go up to two fifty. Sure. Okay. Well, so I just like that agent did, I, I run my comps just like in a, I have the same information the appraiser has. And so if I come up and say, hey, I don't see any justification over two twenty five on this, but if you want this house, you have to pay two fifty. What that means is we're going to write in the contract if you're willing to have a $25,000 appraisal gap coverage, which means you got 25 extra grand in your pocket that you're willing to put to this house above and beyond what the bank says it's worth because you want it. 
That's it. Then you put it on the on the buyer. Say, mm-hmm. hey, you're gonna have to make up the difference because the yeah. bank's gonna lend you this much. But we know we got 15 people in line that want to buy this house, yeah. so you're gonna have to cough up another. Well, and if you get 10 appraisers or 10 realtors, you get 10 different prices. Yes, right. So and it's a game we play as listing agents as well, which again comes back to the experience side. If I've got a house that is gonna fit that box, knowing that it's gonna have appraisal issues, but people are gonna want it, I'll and I got 10 offers. When that appraiser comes to appraise the house, I'm going to lay out all 10 offers that were over what I think the house is worth. And that appraiser is going to say, huh, I don't have any comps that have sold, but I've got 10 people willing to pay this. Maybe it is worth it. And so if it's at 250, 80% of the time that it's higher than I think it's going to be, that appraisal will come in at 250 and $1. <laughs> okay. And it's like, there's no way... Without knowing that sales price, that appraiser was going to come up with that number. Yeah. So they they know the sales price. They're not trying to wreck. So maybe the get deal. the offers before you have the appraiser come out if you think that's. Oh yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. So okay. little tricks of the trade. There. It is, you know, just little things. But like that. But I was like, what the heck, man? Can we can we legally sell this house for more? <laughs> like I thought we could sell this yeah. house for whatever we want. If somebody yeah. comes in, and he basically was like, well, you could, you know, you know, you could have somebody that's willing to buy it for a million dollars, but no bank is going to give them the money to buy that. Yeah. You know. So then you're betting on some little cash. Yeah. Right? Okay. And, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and once a year, maybe twice a year, I'll run into uh, someone who wants to sell their house and says, hey, I know I get your comps. It's worth 300 Put it on the market for 500 because there might be a cash buyer out there. <laughs> I'm like... Does that happen? No. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we got to come back You don't to have somebody come in like, boom, they've yeah. been watching too many. Too yeah. Many, I'm like, okay, technically that could happen. It's not going to happen. So let's let's come back to reality a little bit and maybe go like 330. Maybe. So, do, you, do you list above what you think it'll actually sell for, knowing that people are either going to pay a little bit over or it gives you some leverage to kind of... Uh, in this market... When they offer it, you know, offer down to the price you really want, so you're intentionally asking for more. It's opposite in this market. Like oh, okay. I'll, I think it's people, uh, sellers get more money at the end of the day if we price it below market. Because you get all kinds of, people you get are bidding like, wars, I guess. Yeah. People are like, oh my gosh, that house on 48th, like nothing over there sold for under 205 years, but they listed at 199. So you're going to get three times as many people who would come and look at it and make offers than if we listed at 250. Okay. That's that a make, cool so strategy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now, it's not Making like, my own little notes because I'm going to sell <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna sell this house on my own day. Now, it's not eBay, so you don't have like a reserve, right? right. So, but you also don't have to, you don't have to take it. You don't them. have to take the offers. No. You just say, hey, I got 10 offers. I don't like any of them. We're not going to sell. Do people still write the letters? Is that oh, like yeah. a thing? I encourage that all day. Pull on the heartstrings it's a little emotion, bit. It's emotion, right? Yeah. This is emotion. This business. is our first home. Yeah. Oh hey, include some baby pictures. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Milk it, baby. Mil- oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's- make it juicy. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, I think I've learned a little bit. Um, I'm going to take your course on uh, how to learn how to invest. Um, Do it. I'll get back in touch with you in about two years when I finish <laughs> it all. That's right. Um, but you don't have more people coming to you that are like serious? You say two people out of all the people that kind of talk to you. Yeah, it's... Um, Do you offer any kind of like education or have thought about doing anything like that? To... Uh, no, one, I'm I'm nowhere near qualified to do it. I mean... You I, own 90 <laughs> properties, brother. I think you're... You, <laughs> well, it's, you know... Or you did. Until I've, you... I've learned based off a ton of mistakes and my knowledge is still, while it, it's in the, in the real estate and investment industry, it's so small. Like there's so much more out there and so much more to do that I mean it'd be an injustice for me to me to try to teach somebody this. But if someone wants to 
put in the work and homework that, you know, I give you and then come back to me and, you know, cause I got people all the time, Hey, how can I help you mm-hmm. go find me a deal? Right. Deals are hard. Money's easy to find right now. Economy is great. You can't find a deal. Finding deals. So, so if you want to put in the legwork and, and kind of learn and be a process, which is what this guy did. And he's now one of my good friends. He put in the work to find the deal, to work the deal. Manhunter kind of mentor to help them along the way. And now, I mean, he's crushing it. He, is he still doing that? Yeah. So this, this, I mean, we sold that one last week. Yeah. We met. Oh, he's living large right now. He's, oh, he's killing it. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's on his way. He, he I, I won't tell you his name yet, but you'll know him. I mean, he's going to be like Grant Cardone. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool, man. Well, I don't see any billboards with your name on it. I see that, uh, Jason will, he's got billboards up and down Crestwood yeah. Boulevard. So, uh, you got to get your billboard game up, man. Well, so nice. that's a big part of it. You know, we're running a business, right? And so it's all about, you know, income and expenses. It's not what you make, but what you keep. And I've been very intentional. So again, going back two years ago, I started my own real estate team inside Arc Realty. So I've got agents on my team that just work with me um, and just, you know, assistants and people that just work for us. Is that just like a partnership with Arc or, or I mean, how do you structure um, that? Are so you still Arc an employee is, of Arc? Or? So we're, we're 1099, so independent contractor. Okay. Um, and Arc is the broker. Like I, I'm not a broker. I just have my own team of agents that they really are like buyer's agents. So I, I, I tend to focus a little bit more on this, the listing side. And then anytime someone wants to go buy and look at houses, I'll, I'll let Sam or Julia or Tristan go and, and show them houses. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, you can only really juggle like eight to 10 serious buyers at a time. Cause there's only so many hours in a day that you can go show a house. Sure. And so, um, so we've started that team to where, uh, and and the concept that I try to to build off of is a referral based business, right? Because you can go out. I mean, Zillow is a great example. I know agents who you know make well into the six figures, but they're also spending six grand a month on Zillow advertisements, mm. right? For for those leads to come in, and that's a great business. Like if you if that's how you want to run your business, that's great. To me, it's like flipping a house. You stop paying for the leads. It's like a job. You stop making money. Where if you really build your sphere and build your people as relationships and referral base and have, you know, all your friends and family and past clients out there, your biggest, your marketing team, right? Your biggest cheerleaders, they're just feeding you business all the time. And and then it's a sustainable operation. So you don't need the billboards. You're above that, man. <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, I've, yeah. I've tried a lot of the different marketing things. Sure, I mean. Yeah. It's so expensive. No, I can so imagine. Expensive. And the hit rate on it is just, I don't get it. And the same thing, like, like mailing out postcards and stuff. There's agents that, you know, farm an area and say, like, I'm going to be the Avondale specialist and send out five postcards a month. You know those postcards you get in the mail? Yeah, oh yeah. Right? I mean, it costs like 1500 bucks per mailer. Straight the trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, you saw Blake's face. Great. It's gone. So, yeah. um, I mean, there, there's, you again, you can have success. Are you getting a return on, on that? I yeah, guess and, and is that how, is that what you enjoy and where you want to be the expert and how you want to build your business? Because you can succeed in doing it. If that's what you decide you want to do, it's just not what I want to do. I would mm-hmm. rather have it all relational, very personal. And, you know, I, I try to call all my clients once a month, just say, hey, what's up? You know, how are things going? Can we come by? Can we bring you dinner? Um, and if you do that, then it's, you know, it's not a job. You're just hanging out with a bunch of friends and they're sending you business. So that's the fun part. That's cool, man. Well, I had yeah. no idea you uh, you had uh, so much going on. I didn't <laughs> know I was interviewing a roller coaster tycoon over here. No, man, it, it's um, it's a wild ride, and it's been fun to try to put that out. Um, I need better need to do a better job of of putting all that content out 
and being able to just show because I think there is a, an element of, of education and, and oh, for interest sure. yeah, man. in in you know cool deals like that one I just talked about yeah. is you know being able to explain that and so yeah. That's the American dream, man. Doing something <laughs> like that. That's awesome. That's you know? right. My brother and I have always kicked around the idea of doing something. Um but we don't know where to start. We don't know what to do. We're intimidated mm-hmm. by the whole idea, you know, yeah. putting money out there and then, you know, trying to to you know, I, I I think I saw your your post where you said it was like a Dave Ramsey thing. It's like top things to invest in, things to avoid investing in. Yeah. Like cryptocurrency was like the first one to <laughs> not invest, don't invest in crypto. But at the bottom of his list, he had real estate there. Mm-hmm. And so I think every that's in the forefront of everybody's minds. Like I need to get into involved in real estate in some way more than just maybe my own home. Mm. Uh, you know, once you can get past that, uh, but just not knowing what to do or which direction to go. Yeah. Um, so I'd be interested to kind of maybe pick up one of those books that you were talking about. Or yeah. Something. I'll, cool. I'll give Check you a list. I'll, I'll shoot you a list. It's cool to see, you know, your, your top, um, industry leaders in pick an industry, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not real, not real estate, but go pick a different industry and then go look at those individuals and see how much real estate they own. Yeah. Cause again, tell you it's a lot, right? Yeah. So they know like that's a good Avenue to put my money in. Are you going to try to branch out of Alabama, you know, get some beachfront property or anything? Or do you already own it? I bet you already do. You got a couple of condos and pieces. No, or something? no. Um, no, so that rental market down there, that's tough. So if you go to like a, in a, a vacation market, like that's hard because when the economy dips, that's the first to go. Sure. So there's a little bit more risk, maybe a decent return in it, a little bit more risk than I, I'm focused on now, you know, maybe one day. Um, right now, my focus is on a hundred plus unit within the Southeast, and I've got about four markets that I'm looking in five markets in the southeast in tennessee and georgia and alabama and, and panhandle florida to where i want to find um you know 100 plus unit that can be self-sustaining i was talking about it can afford its own, own maintenance person its own on-site manager because you go build one man well building costs are so no, high right it's now. crazy I, yeah so. yeah you were talking about that earlier a friend of ours they were planning to build a home but then they did the math and it's like dude the price to build a home is like outrageous <laughs> like we're just gonna buy one that's already you know yeah. Ended up being a little more cost effective to do that. Yeah, it's versus nuts. building their dream home. Yeah, so. uh, Hunter and I are, are building seven townhouses in Southside right now on sixteenth. Yeah, um, it's been two and a half years in now. So we we started, um, it, and so it's on like and it's in Southside on the side of the hill in a sure. slide zone. Um, slide zone. <laughs> it's like technically what it's yeah. called, the slide zone. Um, this thing has eighty four helical piers, forty four feet deep into the ground. Just to keep it from sliding. Just to keep it from sliding. Yeah, not wild. That's so, crazy. So it's not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, we're we're two and a half years in. We've got four sold. And we've got three that we're finishing like next week. Okay. And it's been it's COVID just delayed material and price. You know, lumber skyrocketed the week we ordered our lumber package. I mean, it's just it's crazy. They call back. Hey, we're gonna have to adjust that pricing a little bit. It's six figures. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Uh, it's just wild. So going through that because that was one of our biggest build build together. Again, Hunter is kind of the guru, and it comes from like developing fifty million dollar deals for like big companies. So um, it's small scale for him, but for me, coming from a ninety five thousand dollar house in Irondale, I'm like, what are we doing? Well, dude, yeah. it's that's crazy, man. You're blowing my mind. Just the scale at which you guys <laughs> are operating is really cool. I didn't expect that. Um, well, dude, thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people reach out to you if they want to learn more or maybe have you help them in their home buying process? Yeah, absolutely. Real simple, blakeschultz.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, kind of all the socials. Um, we're there. We've got, again, my team is there to help people. 
Uh, and so we, we, we'd love to help out. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're a good fit for you and that you're a good fit for us, right? Because if, if that doesn't work, then we got to figure out that on the front end, and then we can put you in touch with the right people if we're not a good fit. But And one thing I didn't ask earlier, which might be kind of cool, um, what, what do you see of the future of your team? Are, are you trying to expand your team? Are you trying to grow? And Yeah. I mean uh, – no, not not huge. So I've um, ever since I had way too many bridges. Um, I like the idea of uh, quality over quantity. Sure. And so um, as of now, maxing at maybe five agents total. But I mean, right now the three I've got are awesome, and you know I wouldn't change that for the world. Um, so yeah, just keeping that going. The idea being, you know, continue to sell and let that fund the investment side, right? Mm-hmm. So the more that's funneled into that investment side, the more that passive income grows and the more that I just do it because it's fun, do it because I enjoy it. So um, I always say, like, I've got a, quote, retirement number, um, but it's... and people How close are you? It seems like you can't be that far away. My, my number is uh, when I'm 37. When you're 37, yeah. re- retire at 37. But see, this, this is the thing. People How are old like, are you? 31. You're 31. Okay. You're yeah. two years younger than me, and you seem like so much more <laughs> successful. No, oh no, Oh, my no. gosh. It's, see, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. Um, But it's like, I'm not going to go, all right, I'm 37. Let me go sit on the beach and do nothing. For Dude, that sounds years. awesome. Why not? That would be great. I, I told you, like, I can't sit still. Like, okay. you see me, like, swaying this whole Some time. Some people so. are just wired that way, man. Man, they, I can't. You, you so, um, so, really what it is is, um, you've heard of the FIRE movement. Like financially independent, retire early. It's like a whole thing for young people. I need to. Um, it, it's financial independence, right? So it's that idea of, all right, once I hit that number, I don't have to work. I'm never going to not sell real estate because it's so fun unless it just gets crazy because um, I enjoy it. But yeah. I'm going to do what I want when I want because I can. Okay. Right? So The fire philosophy. I got I to right. buy into that, man. <laughs> I think I'm a little late it's to like that a, game. No, it's like a whole thing. But um, yeah. I yeah, start that, reading those books, man. You do. I'm so 37, you. you think you can hit that mark mm-hmm. and be financially independent, still selling real estate for fun. And then what are you going to do? Uh, I'll, so I don't Go think skiing? I'm going to change anything. Okay. Like I really don't. I, I love, I truly love what I do. And it was, I was in Denver this weekend with all my college buddies, uh, seven or eight guys. And I mean, all of them are awesome. All of them are loving what they're doing, but I didn't see the same level of like enthusiasm for what they do. Right. Well, dude, I can't say that I have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you <laughs> so, mean. So, like, and, and the question is, if if they stop, if you didn't need money, if you're good financially, would you do what you do today for free? No. <laughs> you would though. Hundred percent. That's I, I cool, man. That's awesome. You don't find a lot of people that. I don't think many people could say yes to that question that you just yeah. asked. I mean, honestly, they could probably lie to you and put on, yeah. like, oh, I love what I do, man. Flipping hamburgers is the greatest thing. <laughs> you know. But so the next question is, well, why aren't you doing that thing? Yeah. Right? Because if it's like, well, uh, well, it puts me back a couple years financially, whatever. But at the end of the day, are you, you know, what, what is your plan? Are you really just planning for the next six months? Are you saying, hey, five years from now, this is where I want to be. So let me work back. This is what we do with goal set here's my five-year goal, so let me work backwards and figure out what are the daily activities that I got to do to hit that goal. And it's, all right, every year I've got to sell 100 houses. To sell 100 houses, I've got to talk to 500 people. To talk to 500 people, I've got to call 10 a day. So every single day, I got to call 10 people, right? So you break it down all the way down to that small little bit and say, all right, if I do that, just the input, control the input, then I know that I should hit my goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And as long as you do that, so the same thing with investment rental properties, like 
all right, I want to go buy a 100-unit complex, right? I need to be analyzing like two deals a week, right? I need to get the financials, do all the underwriting, run the numbers, see how it checks out. And if I do two a week, I should buy one this year, right? I mean, that's just math. Usually it's a 1% hit rate. Every 100 that you analyze, you'll buy one. It's a big filter and so or a big funnel. And so, um, yeah, so go find those daily activities of whatever it is. Maybe it's not buying a rental property. Maybe it's, you know, I want to be a, a graphic designer for a skateboard company, right? So if, if that's my goal to run my own graphic design company for skateboarding five years from now, what are the steps I've got to be doing today to get me there? Because no one's going to do it for you, right? Like, it's not just going to happen if you sit on the table drinking a beer. I'll start doing that it. tomorrow, right. man. Tomorrow. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I'd worry about Next it. Next week. So, Next week. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's one thing I'm, like, real passionate about, and I think it comes a little bit with the oh, personality. It sounds like you of, get after it, man. You're like, yeah. hey, we're making I, this I'm happen. I'm starting to sweat a little bit. Dude, getting, that's cool. Got me fired up about it. Well, dude, I'm feeling some of that energy. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you don't do any, like... Uh, uh, financial counseling or anything. It sounds like you could. <laughs> no, no. But I do have people. That's cool. I have people. So that's um, that's why I encourage, you know, not just my clients, but everyone I meet is, you know, use me. Because I my literally my job is to meet as many people as I can. And so I meet people in all industries, good and bad. And I try to be kind of, I try to be a resource. And so someone needs a financial advisor, someone needs a mason, someone needs, you know, whatever it is. I've, I've got a guy, right? Well, I'm putting you in my so, phone book for sure. You are it. now a resource. I'm going to exploit that. <laughs> do it. Five years from now, you'll be like, why did I go to that dude's house and do this damn podcast? No, because year six, you're going to call me to sell it. That's why. That's right. Cool. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I don't want to take any more of your yep. time. Uh, this was rad. And, uh, you know, maybe we can have you back on, I'm sure, when you're like a multi-billionaire. No, man, anytime. I'd yeah. love to. Cool. Thanks. Yep.